breaking fake news this morning as the FDA approves Babylon Bee-style satire in generic form. The FDA has announced their official approval of Babylon Bee's brilliant Christian satire in its generic form. No longer will humor-starved individuals be forced to go to one website littered with ads and paywalls to get their daily dose of lib-owning hysteria. This is a great development for access to life-saving satire, said humor consumer protection advocate Dingle McChucklehead. With more low-income individuals enjoying this type of humor, we will surely reap the benefits of a more light-hearted society. At the time of publication, there's only one legitimate manufacturer, the Petty Prophet, who has confirmed they will be carrying generic Christian satire to the masses. The founder of the Petty Prophet, Joel Berry, has confirmed that this new satire will be much less funny, but also much more affordable. We're also working on a service that will allow this generic satire to be delivered discreetly to your email inbox, Joel said. Hey, Joel, that's me. This is Joel Berry, and you're listening to the Petty Profit Podcast. Happy Monday. Good morning. Good morning, and welcome to the Petty Profit Podcast. It's hard to believe that we are on week two of this podcast. Week one was crazy. I, I had so much fun. I learned a lot. I I, uh, I did learn one thing about podcasting, and that is that editing sucks. Oh my gosh, it is a slog. I'm sure I'll get faster at it, but um, when you're when you're not as well trained in speaking, there's a lot of ums and uhs and sounds that you gotta pull out of there to make it sound somewhat uh, cohesive. (laughs) So, uh, a lot of editing, but it's been fun. It's been worth it. And, uh, I've really enjoyed doing it. I'm enjoying the site and I'm enjoying, uh, interacting with all of you. And if you're here on week two, after listening through week one, you decided to stick with it and you're still listening. Um, thank you for, uh, thank you for listening. And I hope you're enjoying it. I hope you're getting a lot from it. And I would still, I'd love your feedback. Uh, visit thepettyprofit.com. It's www.thepettyprofit.com. You can contact me there using the contact form, or you can email me directly at uh, contact at thepettyprofit.com. As always, would love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I'm, I'm glad to be here with you this morning. So let's get into it. So that opening piece, uh, you know, was, it really came from me just wanting to get it out there that I'm really, you know, imitating the, the Babylon Bee and, and its style in, in my satire. So, and actually, if you're a listener and you are not familiar with the Babylon Bee, the Babylon Bee is a satire website, uh, kind of on par with The Onion, only it approaches the satire from a Christian center-right perspective. So, personally, I think that their humor is a lot better than The Onions. So, that's that's the Babylon Bee. Obviously, Kyle Mann, Ethan Nicole there at the Babylon Bee, they are, they are the masters, and they do this. No one does this better than they do. But kind of how all this came to be was after I left my career in supply chain, which that's a long story I will tell in another podcast. It's a, a very interesting story. And, and uh, I became a subscriber to the Babylon Bee. I am a super fan of the Babylon Bee. I love their humor and I love what they've done um, in, in just 
poking fun at at Christian culture and poking fun at at politics, yet with a a good natured heart um, and just a positive positive attitude about it all. I mean, it's not. It can get spicy sometimes, but it's not too snarky and it's not too negative. It's it's always lighthearted and fun, and it pokes fun at both sides. I, I just love it. I love the Babylon Bee. And if if they were to hire me, I I would shut this whole thing down and, and move to L.A. right now. But since that's not going to happen, <laughs> I decided to just kind of do this myself. I, I enjoy it a lot. I uh I became a subscriber to the B, and when you become a subscriber at a certain level, they'll they'll let you join their writers forum and and submit headline ideas. So you can submit up to four headline ideas a day, and there was there was a certain period where I was submitting four a day every day for several weeks, and my my headlines got a lot of good traction. They really they really did. I think I even, I got really too into this thing. I looked at everyone else's posts. I looked at the number of likes on their, their posts and I was consistently kind of at the top of the, of, uh, the heap when it comes to average number of likes per headline submission. So I started to think, yeah, maybe I got something here. Maybe, maybe I have a talent here. (laughs) It's submitting Babylon B headlines. So I, I kept at it, kept at it. And lo and behold, they actually published one of my headlines, which was one of the greatest days of my life. Oh, I will never forget it. <laughs> it was. I'm. I'm gonna look it up right now here. So the headline they ended up publishing was: "New reversible bumper sticker can switch between coexist and resist depending on who the president is." And and then Kyle filled it in with some brilliant satire in the body of the piece, and and uh, um, it did pretty well. Uh, ben Shapiro uh, reshared it. Uh, Matt Walsh reshared it. Um, so it was a fun couple days to see that happen. And so you know that kind of encouraged me a little bit. I was like, well, shoot, you know, if if it's good enough for the Babylon Bee, maybe maybe uh, maybe I got something here. So I started to write more and more and more, and um, well, and then I started to think you know, why am I lending my, all my time and creativity, uh, to someone else? You know, why not, why not do something on my own, uh, be my own boss and, and start to put my creativity to work for me. So that's what I did. So I started writing, you know, I don't, I don't have time to write as much as the full-time guys at the B do, but it's been a fun little hobby and I'm going to follow and see where it leads. So, um, that is, that's kind of where this whole thing came from with the, the satire side of the site. You know, I'm not trying to compete with the B. I never will compete with the B. They, they are truly the greatest, but Hey, maybe I'll carve out my own little tiny little ghetto niche in my corner of the internet here. So here we go. Generic, generic Christian satire from the Petty Prophet. Hope you enjoy. <laughs> so uh, last week, you know, I, I delved a lot into matters of Christianity and our culture. I want to talk a little politics this morning, um, and this goes with a, a piece that I, I put up last week about our nation's capital. And yeah, I'll tell you what inspired it. So I, I came from a uh, career in supply chain management. So supply chain management, you're working with 
people all around the world. Freight is constantly moving. Uh, you have to be connected uh, with with different shippers and consignees, receivers, all around the world at all times. And so you're using a lot of Skype and WhatsApp and um, different means of connecting and meeting with people. And it's amazing what technology has done for business in terms of just making it so easy to sit down and meet with people from all kinds of different countries at the snap of a finger. It's it's just incredible. It's incredible what businesses are able to do now because of the technology of the internet. And it made me start thinking, why hasn't Congress adopted this technology? So the piece, I'll, I'll read some of it to you here. When the first United States Congress met in 1789, traveled to the meeting place in New York City, took anywhere from a week to over a month, depending on which of the original 13 colonies he hailed from. They had to meet in person because it took so long to get there and Skype hadn't been invented yet. So anyone elected to the original Congress knew they'd be braving a very perilous journey to a very far off city. They would have to live there for a while while Congress was in session. It was a, it was a sacrifice. You know, serving in Congress used to be a sacrifice. You would have to you would have to sacrifice seeing your family for a long period of time, you know, leave the <clears throat> the farm or the homestead to someone else's care and risk life and limb on this on this journey. It, it can't it couldn't have been a, an easy trip, you know, traveling several weeks to the capital and living in a in an unfamiliar city for so long. It was a sacrifice. But you know, where are we at now? <laughs> 230 years later, we can travel across the country in a few hours, you eat some some crackers and a sandwich and watch a Queen Latifah movie and you're there. We can, um, we can meet with business partners in five different countries simultaneously over the internet with a snap of a finger. You know, mobile devices, we can vote for, we can vote for our favorite singer on The Voice or Teen Choice Awards with our smartphones. We can collaborate and make a video with a kid from Mumbai on TikTok. Yet still, we're sending our representatives to D.C. nine months out of the year, that corrupt cesspool that is called Washington, D.C., to vote and debate on important issues. Why are we doing that? Why did they have to go to D.C.? Now, if, you've, if you've watched C-SPAN, I, I don't know how many people watch C-SPAN. It can't be that many. But, you know, I, I think all of us have seen those depressing videos of representatives giving impassioned speeches to a chamber of no people. Maybe they have an aide behind them moving the the cue cards or something, but there's zero people there. They're just giving a speech to C-SPAN. Where's everyone else? Where are all the other representatives? Probably meeting with the next donor, lobbyist, or CNN anchor. This is funny, too. They don't even have a PowerPoint projector in this place, so they print out massive full-color posters. They place them on an easel, and someone moves them as the congressperson progresses through their speech. It's, and it's, what's funny is they, there's an article on NPR specifically written about these cue cards that they use in Congress. And they actually use PowerPoint to make the cue cards. The congressional Republicans have a giant printer that they will print out <laughs> PowerPoint slides on a giant, giant piece of paper. And then they use scotch tape to tape the piece of paper to these giant pieces of cardboard that interns and aides keep stacked up in their office. And that's their visual aid for their speech. Let me review this for you, okay? We send congressmen and women to D.C. to to the most expensive... D.C. is the most expensive place to live in the country. The most expensive place to live in the country. The most corrupt city in the country. (laughs) 
full of corrupt politicians and lobbyists. We send them there nine months out of the year to give speeches in an empty room with PowerPoint slides printed out and taped to a cardboard sign that they then read to a C-SPAN camera that beams that speech back into our home so that we can watch it. And I, I mean, and, and we have Facebook Live now and any number of ways of sharing <laughs> speeches and visual aids, yet this is how they're still doing it. They're standing on the floor of an empty Congress giving speeches to C-SPAN with cue cards printed out from PowerPoint. I, you know, maybe I'm an idiot. I, maybe there's something I'm missing. Maybe there's some pertinent facts that I'm missing here, but that seems really, really dumb to me. <laughs> um, so it, it got me thinking, what if representatives were forced to live in their districts all year round? What if we made Washington, D.C. obsolete? We have the technology. Why can't Congress conduct all their debates and all their votes over the internet? Webcams, a secure connection, whatever. It, it could it could be done. Imagine what that would do for the quality of our representation. No more lifetime D.C. swamp dwellers. No more easy lobbyist steak dinners with hundreds of power brokers in Washington. You would have representatives living as your neighbor day in and day out, 365 days a year, with no need to go and live in that expensive, corrupt cesspool called Washington, D.C. So where does that leave Capitol Hill? Okay, it's already become, you know, Museum Alley. Just make just make the Capitol Museum or just make the Capitol building another museum. There's no need for Congress people to be there. Make it a museum. And in my piece online I I said maybe we should just tear it down. <laughs> I I shoot, I'd be okay with that too. Tear it down. I don't care. Just don't send Congress people there anymore. It's a waste of our, their time. It's a waste of our money, and I think it's contributed to a corrupt environment that could be helped in part by just bringing them home, forcing them to see their people every day, to look their constituents face-to-face every day, not just in a manicured town hall setting. So there's your political rant for this week. I don't do a lot of those, but uh, you know, figured Monday's a good, a good day to get those out there. Um, before I leave you, as, as is tradition, I will give you something I'm thankful for. And uh, since we're on the subject of politics right now, I'm going to tell you, (laughs) oh man, I'm going to tell you that I am thankful for Barack Obama. Ho, 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 ho. Explain, Joel. Please explain. Okay, I will. You know, Obama, I didn't vote for him either time. Uh, Leading up to Obama's reelection, I kind of had this thought that American people were smart. You know, we made a mistake voting for him the first time, but... America's not going to make that mistake again, right? You know, we've 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 seen through it at this point. We know that he's not who he made himself out to be and they're not going to make that same mistake twice. But Romney was a a weak candidate and and Obama won re-election and his re-election coincided with the birth of my first uh, two sons. I I have twins. Obama was re-elected on November 6th. 2012. And my sons had a scheduled C-section for November 8, 2012. So they were they were scheduled to be born two days after the election. And I remember the day after Obama was reelected, I was feeling I was feeling pretty down, kind of hopeless. 
genuinely worried about uh, the future of America. You know, that's why I do have some uh, empathy for the the progressive left and at least how they felt that <laughs> that next morning after Hillary lost, which I mean, that night was uh, that was a hilarious night. I, I enjoyed that so much. I enjoyed watching the CNN meltdown. I, I went back several times later that year and, and rewatched the CNN meltdown. It was so fun to watch. But anyway, I was feeling really depressed about the state of this country because we had reelected uh, someone who I thought was really bad for our nation. And um, I remember the day of um, my my dad sent me a song on Facebook. I don't know what, what prompted it, but he sent me a recording of, of the song, Because He Lives. Because He Lives, I Can Face Tomorrow. Because He Lives, All Fear Is Gone. Because I Know He Holds the Future and Life Is Worth the Living Just Because He Lives. And I just remember holding my wife and just singing that song to myself. And it was at that moment that God helped me kind of tear myself away from the attachment and the hope I had placed in politics and politicians for so long. I became I began kind of a new journey of of trust and reliance on God as a result of that. You know, the Bible says in Psalm 146, do not put your trust in princes, in mortal men who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. The maker of heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them, the Lord, remains faithful forever. So, on this Monday, I invite you to place your hope and your trust in the Lord this week. In everything you do, at work, in your business, the things you have going on at home, the things that worry you about uh, what's in the news and in politics in our country. Place your hope in our faithful Lord, because he alone can save, and he is sovereign over all of us. So that's it. That is why I'm thankful for Obama, because God used Obama to teach me that lesson. (laughs) There you go. Uh, And that's the show for Monday. This has been the Petty Prophet Podcast. My name is Joel Berry. Thank you for listening. Thank you for those of you who came back from last week. Again, uh, you can find us on www.thepettyprofit.com and reach out to us there. Thanks a lot. Talk to you tomorrow.